I'm Mike Levin. I'm running for Congress against Daryl Issa, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, episode 546, if you can believe it, of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined, as always, by the lovely, talented, scholarly, Bernie Page. So, we want to talk about the little PSA that was created for the show, which we very much appreciate, about the flu vaccine. That's right. This is a friendly reminder from your buddy Marcus to get your flu vaccine if you're medically able. Hello, Marcus. Flu season in the U.S. starts in October, and the vaccine takes about two weeks to become effective. It's covered for free under many health insurance plans, and is typically $30 or less if it's not covered. It's important to note that the reason we get flu vaccines is not to protect ourselves, but to protect the vulnerable people in our lives, like the elderly, young children, and the sick. During the 2018-2019 flu season, between 36,000 and 61,000 people in the U.S. died from the flu. If everyone who could get vaccinated did so, there would be many fewer deaths. So go get poked! So the important thing here is, like Marcus said, the flu season is getting ready to ramp up. And it takes two weeks to become effective. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you get it as soon as possible. I like how he talked about the cost there because uh, I think people avoid getting it because they may have to pay money and it's expensive, right? Um, but that's not that much in terms of maybe the savings that you could have for not having to be sick at work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I often hear from people who say... I don't want to get the flu vaccine because I get sick every time I get it, you know. Nonsense. And I don't know if they're making a claim about, like, that they really believe that the flu vaccine is giving them the flu, because that's not true. Um, That's what I mean by not... You very well might get sick. Right. But it's because it's fucking flu season. Yeah, so you you (laughs) might get sick, right? That might happen. Um, But the flu vaccine is also supposed to, like, help it not be as severe, I've heard. Also, uh, it only protects against certain strains, and you might have gotten a different strain. It's it's kind of a crapshoot. Right. But that's why I'm glad Marcus said that it's actually for those vulnerable populations that cannot get it. That's the only correction I would have, is it? It's, he said it's not for yourself. It is, it's not necessarily for yourself. Oftentimes you are going to be protecting yourself against what could be a bad flu, even if you're not going to die. You, you miss work, productivity, it affects the economy. There's all kinds of wide ranging things that are impacted by people being out of work and being sick. It's not just the fact that you, you, you're going to die from the flu, but you are very well saving someone who could die when, when exposed to you when you have the flu, when you get the flu because you didn't get the fucking flu vaccine. Well, and according to the CDC, everyone six months of age and older should get the vaccine. Um, there are 
rare exceptions for people who shouldn't be getting the vaccine. And obviously, you want to communicate your situation and get advice on that from your uh, medical professional. Uh, but aside from that, this is an important thing to get. We want to make sure that yeah. the Dalamore podcast audience is really strong on the flu vaccine issue. So we're going to be playing that PSA uh, fairly often throughout flu season as a reminder so that you will feel guilty to get yours. And if you're wondering, no, we haven't gotten ours yet. We suck. But, this weekend. Yeah, but we're going to get it this weekend. So uh, I just got my letter from the VA, I think yesterday in the mail, saying, yeah. hey, it's flu season, here's where you go to get your shot. Nice. So, yeah, I think it's Walgreens again. Remember when we tried to make a video about it? And we got Man, kicked out. I was not. I was a dick that day. I was I was very embarrassed by my behavior. I wasn't nice to that guy who said I couldn't film in their pharmacy. <laughs> well, it was one of those moments where you probably felt like he embarrassed me. Yeah, you felt embarrassed. Yeah. It was like a vulnerable moment. And then you lashed out. I'm generally kind of a dick anyway. Well, that can happen. So speaking of playing this PSA uh, often, uh, we also want to remind you to go and vote for I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast by Jesse Dollamore to be the Orange County's best local podcast. Yes, it is. Uh, the link can be found at the top of our Twitter at I Doubt It Podcast in the bio of our Instagram at I Doubt It Podcast and pinned to the top of our Facebook page. I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast. Um, side note, if you're listening to this episode, uh, this is part two of impeachment. Oftentimes, Apple Podcast doesn't order the episodes in in order of which one you should listen to first. They put up first the one that is most recently available. So if you yeah, clicked on this right. one, yeah. make sure that you uh, click whatever you need to click to see the previous episode as well and listen to part one first, because this is part two. We should write impeachment part one, part two in the in the episode. So if it pops up the wrong way, We'll just make it foolproof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, foolproof. It, it will still not show it to you correctly, but we'll do that. Um, so anyway, vote for us. The September 26th is the last day to vote. So if you haven't voted at all, make sure that you do that because we're really excited and we hope that we end up being Orange County's a best podcast. Then we could say we are an award-winning podcast. Yes. I never even thought of that yes. until just now. Well, Rainer gave us an award. Oh, we did. Yeah, that's right. We got the. We need to get a shelf for the new studio. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Rainer. Rainer in uh, Pittsburgh. Long time. <clears throat> wow. Long time supporter <laughs> of the show. You're getting choked up. You're so emotional about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I accept this award on behalf of... Anyway. All right. That's enough of that. So... <laughs> So, since we're going to get right into this impeachment stuff, before we do, though, let's just do a live read of what we normally have as a mid-roll. Listen, if you've been on the fence about supporting the show financially, um, you can, now would be the time. If you are in the position to do so, to give a couple bucks a month or five bucks a month or however much you think that what, uh, that what worth we provide, go to Patreon. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Choose your level of support. Help keep the lights on. Help us keep moving the conversation forward. Help us grow this platform so when you call in or you email in and you want your opinion on the record, you are helping us grow the amplification of your opinion, of the, that conversation. Uh, we, have, we, we love our, our loyal, engaged 
Patreon family. It is uh, it is an awesome thing. And uh, I really, I, I mean, every every year we do a, a profanity-free, family-friendly, positive uh, Thanksgiving episode yeah. that is just filled with audience members, largely, I think, from the Patreon side of things. Certainly doesn't have to be that way. And uh, it's just, it's a joy. Mm-hmm. It really is a, an emotional thing. Yeah, we appreciate all of the support. We wouldn't be able to do this without people supporting us in our efforts to do that. So it means a lot. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys. We love you. We appreciate you. And we're just going to move right along with part two of this impeachment fiasco. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So... We left last episode having just played Nancy Pelosi's uh, Atlantic's, um, looking for the name of it here, Atlantic's Idea Summit. Mm-hmm. And she gave a very, an inexplicably different account of the impeachment um, inquiry and whether or not what Donald Trump does is impeachable or whatever, mm-hmm. being very evasive in her answer at about noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. And then at five o'clock, she took to the cameras, she took to the microphone to formally announce Donald Trump's impeachment inquiry. Good afternoon. Last Tuesday, we observed the anniversary of the adoption of the Constitution on September 17th. Sadly, on that day, the intelligent community inspector general formally notified the Congress that the administration was forbidding him from turning over a whistleblower complaint on Constitution Day. This is a violation of law. Shortly thereafter, press reports began to break of a phone call by the President of the United States calling upon a foreign power to intervene in his election. This is a breach of his constitutional responsibilities. The facts are these. The Intelligence Community Inspector General, who was appointed by President Trump, determined that the complaint is both of urgent concern and credible. And its disclosure, he went on to say, relates to one of the most significant and important of the Director of National Intelligence's responsibility to the American people. On Thursday, the Inspector General testified before the House Intelligence Committee stating that the acting Director of National Intelligence blocked him from disclosing the whistleblower complaint. This is a violation of law. The law is unequivocal. The DNI staff, uh, it, it says the DNI, DNI, Director of National Intelligence, shall provide Congress the full whistleblower complaint. For more than 25 years, I've served on the Intelligence Committee as a member, as the ranking member, as part of the Gang of Four, even before I was in the leadership. I was there when, uh, when we created the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. That did not exist before 2004. I was there even earlier in the 90s when we wrote the whistleblower laws and continued to write them to improve them to ensure the security of our intelligence and the safety of our whistleblowers. I know what their purpose was, and we proceeded with balance and caution as we wrote the laws. 
I can say with authority that Trump administration's actions undermine both our national security and our intelligence and our protections of the whistleblowers, more than both. This Thursday, the acting DNI will appear before the House Intelligence Committee. At that time, he must turn over the whistleblower's full complaint to the committee. He will have to choose whether to break the law or honor his responsibility to the Constitution. On the final day of the Constitutional Convention in 1787, when our Constitution was adopted, Americans gathered on the steps of Independence Hall to wait the news of the government our founders had crafted. They asked Benjamin Franklin, what do we have, a republic or a monarchy? Franklin replied, a republic if you can keep it. Our responsibility is to keep it. Our republic endures because of the wisdom of our Constitution enshrined in three co-equal branches of government serving as checks and balances on each other. The actions taken to date by the President have seriously violated the Constitution, especially when the President says, Article 2 says I can do whatever I want. For the past several months, we have been investigating in our committees and litigating in the courts so the House can gather all the relevant facts and consider whether to exercise its full Article I powers, including a constitutional power of the utmost gravity, approval of articles of impeachment. And this week, the President has admitted to asking the President of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. The, action of the, the actions of the Trump presidency revealed dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. Getting back to our founders, in the darkest days of the American Revolution, Thomas Paine wrote, the times have found us. The times found them to fight for and establish our democracy. The times have found us today, not to place ourselves in the same category of greatness as our founders, but to place us in the urgency of protecting and defending our Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. In the words of Ben Franklin, to keep our republic. I thank our chairman, Chairman, chairman Nadler, Chairman Schiff, of, Chairman Nadler of Judiciary, Chairman Schiff of Intelligence, Chairman Engel of Foreign Affairs, Chairman Cummings uh, of, of uh, Oversight, and Chairman Cummings I've been in touch with constantly. He's a master of, of so much, but including uh, inspectors general and, and uh, whistleblowers. Uh, Congresswoman Richie Neal of the, of the uh, Ways and Means Committee, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of the Foreign Financial Services Committee. And I commend all of our, our members, our colleagues, for their thoughtful, thoughtful approach to all of this, for their careful statements. God bless them, and God bless America. Thank you all. Madam Speaker, never before has the President been convicted by the Senate. What does this accomplish if the Senate doesn't convict? So that is um, 
an interesting question. <laughs> um, but this basically just gives the official stamp of approval for the process that the Democrats already started. Right. Um, earlier this month, when the House Judiciary Committee voted to approve, quote, a resolution for investigative procedures. Um, basically, what this does by making it official is that the House has the full power to gather the necessary That's information right. for their investigation. Um, one ongoing debate that's kind of happening right now is whether or not the full House needs to vote to authorize the impeachment inquiry. I believe they do. Um, that's my opinion of it. This That took place during the impeachment proceedings against Nixon and Clinton, but the Constitution does not require it. Right. So, But, but this is also a pub, public relations battle we're waging right now, too. And I think it would be good. We're waiting right now. I think the number of uh, of, of Congress uh, Congress members who are signed on is over 200, and they need um, 218 to have a simple majority in the House. So um, now there's other questions involving whether it's going to be a select committee or the, whether they're going to let the Judiciary Committee take over. Uh, I did a video the other day, uh, last night, where I talked about I want it to be a select committee. So it's like a a super group of individuals who are really going to nail this thing down. So let's talk about really quickly who supports the impeachment inquiry against Trump. You already talked about it, but uh, the New York Times is keeping a running tally on this yeah. because they have reached out to members of Congress asking them their position on impeachment. So um, 217 Democrats support the impeachment inquiry. One independent, that is Justin Amash. That's right. Oh, so they have 218. Yes, 218. All right. So we have the number. And as far as Republicans go, well, let's continue with Democrats. Um, 17 Democrats are saying either no, not now, or they're undecided in their support. One of these includes Tulsi Gabbard, who made it to the, the next debate, by the way. Ugh. Um, she said that it will hurt the country, right? Be very divisive and hurt the country. Very, very divisive to remove a president who is involved in obstruction of justice, criminal cover-ups, abuse of power, extortion, fucking bribery. Get the fuck out of here, Tulsi Gabbard. And then one Democrat awaiting response. As far as Republicans go, um, 135 of them have said no, not now, or undecided. And they are awaiting a response from 63 of them. Which is a strange thing, uh, considering the fact that the summary of the phone call, which we're going to get to here in a few minutes, was forwarded not only to Congress today, but the other thing is the whistleblower complaint was also forwarded to Congress. And every member of Congress had the opportunity to go into a skiff, a secured compartmentalized uh, intelligence room where you can't be heard, and read the documents. And the people that I've seen who come out are saying, this is way worse than we thought. This is way more damaging to the country, way more of an abuse of power, and not just based on Trump's behavior. It is a widespread systemic cover-up involving others. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about what happens now, because I don't want people to be confused and feel like, finally, this is the moment we've been waiting for. He's on his way out, right? This is the continuation of the work that was started earlier this month, like we said. It makes it more official, right? Yeah. Um, so what's going to happen is they 
gather the evidence. And after reviewing the evidence, the House Judiciary Committee would then decide whether to draft articles of impeachment, which would be a point-by-point case against Donald Trump. Those would be the charges. Because, listen, just because the in- the impeachment inquiry was, was announced based on these particular charges of the call to uh, the Ukrainian president doesn't mean that they are limited or restricted to only that. All of the obstruction of justice charges that were talked about in the Mueller report, volume two of the Mueller report, all of those can be included. Everything from volume one, where they coordinated with Russia on WikiLeaks releases, all of that can be included. All of the emoluments, everything can be included. They're not restricted to just the Ukrainian call. Right. So if the committee approves the articles, it would then recommend the charges for a full House vote. Right. To vote on articles of impeachment. Right. Then that gets forwarded to the Senate. Well, the simple majority, like you talked about, is all it takes to approve one or more of the articles in order to impeach the president. But like you're saying, uh, that approval does not cause him to be removed. That's right. It then goes on to the Senate. Impeachment doesn't mean removal. Impeachment just means you're charged. Right. You're charged with these political offenses, these offenses, and it's a trial that takes place in the Senate. Which is why that reporter asked that question when Nancy Pelosi was done talking. Yeah. What is the point of all this if it's just going to go to the Senate and fall flat? We don't know that it will. And we we can't choose to not endeavor this because we don't we don't have a guarantee that's not how life works. Yeah, I I totally understand that. Although I, I definitely feel that there is merit to the concern that if this goes forward, it makes it to the Senate and it fails, then it will reinvigorate Donald Trump's campaign, reinvigorate the calls about the witch hunt. He will be um, he will be strengthened in his ability to manipulate this for his personal gain. Well, this isn't going to be done in like six months. This is going to be protracted kind of an investigation. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of that too. Yeah. So hopefully it does extend into, you know. Well, I, listen, I, I think that it's realistic to think that it could happen that uh, they get all the way up to the election and they're not done yet. And then he gets voted out of office having not been impeached or having not been removed due to the impeachment process. I think that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And then we could have a Democratic president. Donald Trump will be tried for his crimes, hopefully, and not available to be pardoned because of a Democrat president. That, that, That could be in the offing. Yeah, something interesting that I read is that a trial is not necessarily required, that Mitch McConnell could try to get the full Senate to vote to dismiss the charges, um, but that that move would likely uh, face significant public outrage. Yeah, for sure. But the the way the Constitution reads is that the, the, the Senate Majority Leader immediately takes it up. It's not like a he could, he may, it's he will immediately take up the articles of impeachment. I was there during Clinton's impeachment. I actually sat in on two different sessions and it is a fascinating, remarkable and historic thing. Yeah. Um, that we're very likely going to witness. Yeah. So, so 
where should we move from here? Because this is a wide ranging thing. Uh, um, I we have the transcript of the call, and I really think because this was released just hours ago that today that we have it available, and it is. Even it's one of those deals where you're not you're not surprised, but it's still fucking shocking. It is shocking to read this transcript, knowing the denials that Donald Trump made, knowing how many times he said it was a perfect call. It was a beautiful call. It was a lovely, happy, perfect call. No, nothing was done wrong. I didn't try to force. There was no quid pro quo. Because when you read the details of the call, the words, and the order in which things were brought up, it is fucking remarkable. Well, also, so we're going to read the transcripts. Me and you are going to go back and forth. Do we're like, like a little, little, little uh, dinner, dinner theater. Yeah. But before we do that, at the bottom of the first page, there is a caution note about how it is not a verbatim transcript of a discussion. Quote, the text in this document records the notes and recollection of Situation Room duty officers and NSC policy staff assigned to listen and memorialize the conversation in written form as the conversation takes place. A number of factors can affect the accuracy of the record, including poor telecommunications connections and variations in accent and or interpretation. The word inaudible is used to indicate portions of a conversation that the note taker was unable to hear. And I will say this, two points on this. One is, this is true, and you know it's true, because when we read these parts, Donald Trump is way more concise than Donald Trump ever is. They don't write his meandering language and his hemming and hawing and his word salad. It's a lot more concise. It just is. But I want to say, along with that caution note... I'm not satisfied with the release of the transcript. And it's not that the goalpost has moved for me. I was never really like, oh, wow, he's really going to release the transcript because I don't trust that. Right. Of course. He's a liar. Well, and I read an op ed today in the New York Times uh, entitled, I voted to impeach Nixon. I'd do the same for Trump. We put it on the Facebook page and on the Twitter. Um, and in it, the author talks about how Nixon doctored the transcripts that he turned over to Congress yeah. during his own impeachment proceedings. Right. And that we need to be demanding uh, a backup recording of this call in order to verify that what's actually contained within this transcript is what was discussed on the call. However, or something important is missing. Yeah. Isn't missing. Let, let's, let's, that is absolutely valid. And I think we should all be demanding that. We should all be looking for that. But. No, 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 no. It's not a but. It's, but what, if this is the best version that they, because the, what they're releasing is if it was doctored, it's going to be doctored in the in the benefit in the favor of Donald Trump. It's going to be painting him in the best light that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And this does not fucking do that. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm still saying that I feel like 
we need the full picture and we don't necessarily have it. Yes. Yeah. So this is the document. This is the phone call that the whistleblower went to the inspector general of the intelligence community to report. This is, um, we've never done anything like this before, but I think it's important to, for you, rather than to go find it and read it or rely on the media, we're just going to read it. Brittany's going to be uh, president of Ukraine, Zelensky. Which I'm, makes sense because he's a comedian. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And then what we're going to do is we'll read an exchange. And when one of us wants to talk about it, we'll pause for a second, talk about what exactly that means. Mm -hmm. And we'll just uh, we'll play it by ear. We've never done it before. So, you know, you don't like Flying it. Flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah, but, but, uh, all right. Um, it starts with Donald Trump. Congratulations on a great victory. We all watched from the United States and you did a terrific job. The way you came from behind, somebody who wasn't given much of a chance, and you ended up winning easily. It's a fantastic achievement. Congratulations. You are absolutely right, Mr. President. We did win big and we worked hard for this. We worked a lot, but I would like to confess to you that I had an opportunity to learn from you. We used quite a few of your skills and knowledge and were able to use it as an example for our elections. And yes, it is true that these were unique elections. We were in a unique situation that we were able to achieve a unique success. I'm able to tell you the following. The first time you called me to congratulate me when I won my presidential election. And the second time you are now calling me when my party won the parliamentary election. I think I should run more often so you can call me more often and we can talk over the phone more often. <laughs> That's a very good idea. I think your country is very happy about that. Well, yes. To tell you the truth, we are trying to work hard because we wanted to drain the swamp here in our own country. We brought in many new people, not the old politicians, not the typical politicians, because we want to have a new format and a new type of government. You are a great teacher for us. And in that. Again, transcript, not exact. Yeah. Like they said. Yeah. So I'm going to pause here. Because this is clearly how world leaders have to deal with Trump. They have to uh, bow and scrape and flatter him and talk about how he's a great teacher and use his language about the swamp and, and all the other things that Donald Trump, you know, how he's, he's learning from Donald Trump. Yeah. So. Well, he knows that flattery is the way to go here. That's exactly right. So the next thing is, is actually I went through and I highlighted the problematic parts and it starts right here. Donald Trump, in response to you are a great teacher for us and in that, Donald Trump says, well, it's very nice of you to say that. I will say that we do a lot for Ukraine. We spent a lot of effort and a lot of time, much more than the European countries are doing, and they should be helping you more than they are. Pause. He continues, but I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about this. So he's he's setting it up right away. That hey, we do a lot for you. We're important to you. You're not going to be able to go on in the way in the manner that you want to mm -hmm. without the support of the United States of America. Donald Trump continues. Germany 
does almost nothing for you. All they do is talk, and I think it's something that you should really ask them about. When I was speaking to Angela Merkel, she talks Ukraine, but she, but she doesn't do anything. A lot of the European countries are the same way, so I think it's something you want to look at. But, and again, here we go, the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily, but things are happening that are not good, but the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. Yes, you are absolutely right. Not only 100%, but actually 1,000%, <laughs> Kathy. And I can tell you the following. I did talk to Angela Merkel, and I did meet with her. I also met and talked with Macron, and I told them that they are not doing quite as much as they need to be doing on the issues with the sanctions. They are not enforcing the sanctions. They are not working as much as they should work for Ukraine. It turns out that even though logically the European Union should be our biggest partner, but technically the United States is a much bigger partner than the European Union. And I'm very grateful to you for that because the United States is doing quite a lot for Ukraine, much more than the European Union, especially when we are talking about sanctions against the Russian Federation. I also would like to thank you for your great support in the area of defense. We are ready to continue to cooperate for the next steps. Specifically, we are almost ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. Did I read that correctly? You did. Javelin's a missile system. There you go. So he's he's now he's asking to buy military equipment. We're almost ready for that. That's not something that we just sell to anybody. They have to request it. We have to approve sale to them. So it's not a given that he's like telling Donald Trump, oh, and by the way, I'm going to do something for you. We're going to buy Javelin missile systems from you. It's, it's a request. Donald Trump, highlighted section. In response to here, this request to buy Javelin missiles. Donald Trump, I would like you to do us a favor, though. That's how he starts it. I would like you to do us a favor, though, because our country has been through a lot, and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I would like you to find out what happened with the whole situation with Ukraine. They say crowd strike. I guess Ukraine has it. There are a lot of things that went on, the whole situation. I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people and would like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, an incompetent performance. But they say a lot of it started with Ukraine. Whatever you can do, it's very important that you do it if that's possible. Mm-hmm. That is setting up quid pro quo. Right. Also keeping in mind the history of this, that days before this, Donald Trump froze $391 million worth of U.S. to Ukraine military aid. As we read this, you understand why Mike Pompeo was against releasing it, right? Of course. <laughs> so back to me. No, back to Zelensky. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. We should have had you read it with an accent. I can't do that. 
Um, <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh, yes, it is very important for me and everything that you just mentioned earlier. For me, as a president, it is very important and we are open for any future cooperation. We are ready to open a new page on cooperation in relations between the United States and Ukraine. For that purpose, I just recalled our ambassador from United States, and he will be replaced by a very competent and very experienced ambassador who will work hard on making sure our two nations are getting closer. I would also like and hope to see him having your trust and your confidence and have personal relations with you so we can cooperate even more so. I will personally tell you that one of my assistants spoke with Mr. Giuliani just recently, and we are hoping very much that Mr. Giuliani will be able to travel to Ukraine and we will meet once he comes to Ukraine. I just wanted to assure you once again that you have nobody but friends around us. I will make sure that I surround myself with the best and most experienced people. I also wanted to tell you that we are friends. We are great friends, and you, Mr. President, have friends in our country, so we can continue our strategic partnership. I also plan to surround myself with great people, and in addition to that investigation, I guarantee, as the President of Ukraine, that all the investigations will be done openly and candidly. That, I can assure you. Donald Trump. Good, because I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good and he was shut down, and that's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that, the way they shut your very good prosecutor down and you had some very bad people involved. Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. He was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, and I would like him to call you. I will ask him to call you along with the attorney general. Rudy very much knows what's happening, and he is a very capable guy. If you could speak to him, that would be great. The former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in the Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know that the other thing, there's a lot to talk about biden's son that biden stopped the prosecution and a lot of people want to find out about that so whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution so if you can look into it it sounds horrible to me this is unprecedented now this is jesse talking mm -hmm. he's if he thinks something bad went down, well, first of all, he's praising this prosecutor who is universally known as corrupt, who was fired. Mm -hmm. And I think we're getting ready to get into Zelensky talking about it, that he's like, nah, that guy wasn't so great. You got to read between the lines, but that's ultimately what he's saying here. Mm -hmm. But if Donald Trump thinks something criminal went down, why is it in contact the fucking FBI? You don't send your personal ghoul, Rudy Giuliani the fucking weirdo gargoyle out to investigate to you, Ukraine, to Ukraine. You hire, you, 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 you contact the FBI, the, the world's premier law enforcement agency related to this with, you know, virtually unlimited resources. You don't send fucking Rudy Giuliani. President Zelensky continues. I wanted to tell you about the prosecutor. 
first of all, I understand and I'm knowledgeable about the situation. Since we have won the absolute majority in our parliament, the next prosecutor general will be 100%, Kathy, my person, my candidate, who will be approved by the parliament and will start as a new prosecutor in September. He or she will look into the situation, specifically to the company that you mentioned in this issue. The issue of the investigation of the case is actually the issue of making sure to restore the honesty. So we will take care of that and we'll work on the investigation of the case. On top of that, I would kindly ask you if you have any additional information that you could provide to us, it would be very helpful for the investigation to make sure that we administer justice in our country with regard to the ambassador to the United States from Ukraine. As far as I recall, her name was Ivanovich. It was great that you were the first one who told me that she was a bad ambassador because I agree with you 100%. What does this guy mean? He keeps saying 100%. (laughs) Her attitude towards me was far from the best as she admired the previous president and she was on his side. She would not accept me as a new president well enough. Well... She's going to go through some some things. I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I am also going to have Attorney General Bill Barr call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I'm sure you will figure it out. I heard the prosecutor was treated very badly. Again, again, people, I heard that the very bad prosecutor who was fired justifiably is what he means, was treated very badly, and he was very fair, a very fair prosecutor. So good luck with everything. Your economy is going to get better and better, I predict. You have a lot of assets. It's a great country. I have many Ukrainian friends. They're incredible people. I would like to tell you that I also have quite a few Ukrainian friends that live in the United States. Actually, last time I traveled to the United States, I stayed in New York near Central Park, and I stayed at Trump Tower. Whoa, let's stop there. So he's starting to butter Donald Trump up by telling him he stayed in his in his hotel. This, again, is another element that we've learned that world leaders, uh, it's another strategy that world leaders employ to, to praise him, to be obsequious. Oh, we stayed at your place. We gave you money. That's ultimately, when you say I stayed at Trump Tower, you're telling him you put dollars in his pockets. Yeah. I will talk to them, and I hope to see them again in the future. I also wanted to thank you for your invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C. On the other hand, I also want to ensure you that we will be very serious about the case and will work on the investigation. As to the economy, there is much potential for our two countries, and one of the issues that is very important for Ukraine is energy independence. I believe we can be very successful in cooperating on energy independence with the United States. We are already working on cooperation. We are buying American oil, but I am very hopeful for a future meeting. We will have more time and more opportunities to discuss these opportunities and get to know each other better. I would like to thank you very much for your support. Good. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate that. I will tell Rudy and Attorney General Barr to call. Thank you. Whenever you'd like to talk, whenever whenever you'd like to come to the White House, feel free to call. Give us a date and we'll work that out. I look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. I would be very happy to come and would be uh, all right. We can stop. Happy there. to meet with you personally and get to know you better. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then the rest of it's them just talking about maybe we'll see each other in Poland. Blah blah blah. But that is the that is the the essence 
of 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 the transcript, the summary transcript that was released from the White House that was supposed to put Donald Trump in the be- very best light. I will have Rudy and Attorney General Barr call. Now listen to this. This is an indictment of Attorney General Bill Barr, who we already know is a fucking scoundrel. Because the acting director of national intelligence... Joe McGuire, when the whistleblower went to the IG, Michael Atkinson, Michael Atkinson went to the the, the DNI, acting DNI, and said, hey, I got this thing. Uh, I deem it credible, serious, urgent. Well, the acting DNI didn't go to Congress as he's statutorily required to do. He shall go to Congress within 7 to 14 days. I'm not sure which it is. Where does he go? Obviously, he has an accounting of the of the of the the complaint, the whistleblower complaint, which describes this phone call, which they know that it talks about Bill Barr being in the mix here. Who does he go to? He goes to Bill Barr, who subsequently says, "Nah, no, you're not going to go to Congress with that." Bill Barr needs to recuse himself. Bill Barr is implicated here. Bill Barr is going to be a witness in this case. He cannot be overseeing the the administration's element and their side of trying to obstruct this because we've already seen that he attempted a failed attempt to obstruct this from the light of day. Tried to bury this. Absolutely. It's pretty remarkable to think about what... The plan is for Rudy Giuliani, for Donald Trump. I mean, I I still want uh, the call to be released, the actual yeah, call, because yeah. I'm just wondering if something more direct may have been said. Um, but as we read the transcript, you can hear it, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I, so it's I, very clear. I heard it was really terrible. You should really look into this. The whole call... The whole part of Donald Trump's side of the call is talking, trying to get him to investigate Joe Biden and his son. Right. The whole fucking thing. Yeah. And Zelensky, you know, failing to change the subject. And listen, I'm not making a value judgment here about Zelensky. I, I don't know if he's a good guy or not. I think that's yet to be seen. He very well could be uh, a shady character. We don't know. But we know what Donald Trump is. We just witnessed the best version because it's White House House released. That's the best they got. And that is fucking terrible. That is impeachable. He is using national defense, the safety and security of the United States and of Ukraine, which is in opposition right now to Russia. That's the other element here. Well, we should also talk about the ABC News reporting about how discussing the Biden case was actually a precondition of this phone call. Yes. Again, according to this reporting from ABC News. Which is according to a a Ukrainian official. Right. An anti-corruption advocate and former member of Ukraine's parliament, uh, who now acts as an, an advisor to Zelensky. Yeah. He said that it was clear. Quote, it was clear that President Donald Trump will only have communications if they will discuss the Biden case. This issue was raised many times. I know that Ukrainian officials understood. Yeah, well, because he's had Rudy Giuliani in the mix, meeting with his assistants, like Zelensky said in the transcript. 
in the summary, excuse me. This is impeachable. And this is just scratching the surface because the whistleblower report was forwarded, like I said, to Congress today. And there, there is a, a fever pitch right now, a fury of individuals wanting to declassify that and make it public because this is what it's going to take to turn public opinion when people start reading all of the elements. Because it's not just the call that set off alarm bells in he or she, in his or her mind, this whistleblower. It was all of the cover-up, too. Before Bill Barr. Before, because they didn't know what would happen when they, when they went to the Inspector General. They probably just expected it would go through to Congress like a normal whistleblower complaint does. There are other elements Apart from what happened after they submitted the complaint, there are other elements that were very, very disconcerting. And you're hearing that from um, Adam Schiff and even less political types who are more respected in my eyes, who are more straight shooters, who are saying, oh, shit, this is a big deal. We also want to provide some news that just broke while we were doing this show um, that adds some more context for the whistleblower complaint. So this is from the New York Times. The intelligence officer who filed a whistleblower complaint about President Trump's interactions with the leader of Ukraine raised alarms not only about what the two men said in a phone call, but also how the White House handled records of the conversation, according to two people briefed on the complaint. The whistleblower, moreover, identified multiple White House officials as witnesses to potential presidential misconduct who could corroborate the complaint, the people said, adding that the inspector general for the intelligence community, Michael Atkinson, interviewed witnesses. Mr. Atkinson eventually concluded that there was reason to believe that the president might have illegally solicited a foreign campaign contribution and that his potential misconduct created a national security risk. This is just beginning. The depths to which Donald Trump will sink are not, they're not measurable. The heights of corruption to which Donald Trump will try to reach are beyond anything we've experienced in this country. Like Tom Nichols said in his, in his op-ed in The Atlantic, that this makes Watergate look like a, 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 a series of tough decisions or something like that. This is insane. Worthy of impeachment and removal from office. And let me tell you, a lot of people right now are concerned about the pardon factor. That even if he does get removed... Naturally, because of the Constitution, the, the uh, Mike Pence will become president. And people are worried about just an immediate pardon. Well, that could very well happen, but there are state crimes that the New York St State Attorney General is having investigated right now that are not pardonable by a president. Donald Trump will not be off the hook. There will be consequences, whether they be these or whether they be those in New York. So don't worry about that so much. I think we need to focus on what we need to do here. We need to, to honor 
those values that we aspire, that we talk so much about as Americans, that is unacceptable. No election of some congressman is important enough to not hold Donald Trump accountable, to send a message to future generations, to the children who are witnessing this go down right now, that no, we don't allow this. This is not how we operate. You can't be president and try to profit yourself. You can't self-deal. You can't be abjectly corrupt. That's not how it works. Let's also talk about the things that are going to make this difficult. And one of them is Facebook. Um, after Nancy Pelosi made the the formal impeachment announcement, uh, Nick Clegg, Facebook's vice president of global affairs and communications, uh, was taking the stage at the Atlantic Festival in Washington, D.C., and he gave some remarks on the speech from politicians and whether or not they would continue to be exempt from third party fact checking, which would allow them to post content that would other otherwise be against community guidelines right. for normal users. And it gets yanked. They delete it. Right. So this was his statement about not subjecting politicians to those same fact checking requirements. Quote, I want to be really clear today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, everyone's running for president. <laughs> We do not submit speech by politicians to our independent fact checkers, and we generally allow it on the platform even when it would otherwise breach our normal content rules. Of course, there are exceptions. Broadly speaking, they are twofold, where speech endangers people and where we take money, which is why we have more stringent rules on advertising than we do for ordinary speech and rhetoric. This is just concerning because... Many people, unfortunately, turn to politicians for their information, for how to view the world. Right. And if certain politicians are taking to Facebook and posting blatant falsehoods, and there is no even attempt at getting people accurate information in those cases, it it's just concerning. You know, I always talk about how even average people should feel a responsibility and a duty to post only accurate things yeah which i i know it makes life less fun but we have to do it because it's responsible there are people out there that don't have the tools don't have the critical thinking skills that other people do and it's important that we try to lift everyone at the same time into being educated and aware of what's happening around them yeah and facebook is really going to make this difficult by not holding politicians to this standard. This is a major fuck up by Facebook. This is a big deal. Listen, we don't live in the times of, of long ago, five years ago, when politicians might stretch the truth a little bit or emphasize one statistic over another. We're talking about absolutely complete falsehoods, misdirection, lies, dangerous shit that is going to be allowed to pr be propagated on that platform during this time in American history, during the impeachment and possible removal of a president, they're going to allow spin, 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 lies, lies, lies to cloud the issues, to muddy the waters of what's taking place. They need to do better. They need to re uh, second guess this. And I listen, 
It's got to be tough for a company like Facebook that's under under fire a lot for their policies and some of the back the backlash, not the lashback <laughs> that uh, that they faced because especially related to regulating the speech of po- politicians, and I don't mean by regulate, I mean by um, pointing out falsehoods. Mm-hmm. Like they do with news organizations, like they do with Occupy Democrats all the time. Yeah, they even took down pages like Natural News and one of those types of pages. I don't know if it was Natural News, but they removed pages for posting inaccurate information. The thing is, though, Natural News doesn't have the ability to tightly regulate Facebook. Politicians do. And I think this is a case of Facebook being a fucking frayed. Of the axe being dropped and whether it be some antitrust uh, charge against them. Well, I'm being broken up. I mean, it's it's going to be bad for them, but you got to do the right thing. Well, and I know other people have made this point, but they need to also define what a politician is. I mean, do you just create a page and call yourself a politician and then you're a politician and then you get to say whatever you want? Like, what is the regulation surrounding a politician's page? I could go down right now and register to run for office and I'm now a politician. And I can say whatever the fuck I want. Well, I mean, we don't even know if that's the qualification. I mean, who knows what the qualification is? If Dana Lash just adds politician to her Facebook page, is she now a politician? Yeah. No good. It's no good. Anyway, we would love your feedback. We would love your thoughts. 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it. At dollamore.com. One more episode didn't do a mid roll. So let me say this we would invite you to support the show on Patreon. Go to go to teamdollamore.com, go to patreon.com slash dollamore. Any of those links will get you there. You can kind of look through. We get stickers, there's monthly Google Hangout calls, there's a newsletter, there's all kinds of things. That we do as rewards. But I think it's more important to emphasize the fact that you're taking part in partnering with us to help us move the conversation forward. To try to be a shining light of some kind of truth and sense in a world where Facebook allows politicians to say whatever the fuck they want. We love you guys. We appreciate you, and we would we would really invite you to, to partner with us. If you're not in a financial situation to do so, do not even sweat it. This is a free show. It'll always be a free show. Go rate review us, though. That's free. That's a good time. That helps the show. We love you guys. Listen, we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry.